This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Feline friends, this is Michelle Byrne, your host on Catitude. Today, we're going to have a really, really interesting episode. Did you ever wonder how your veterinarian stays on top of all of the, just the wealth of information out there for your pet? Well, my guest today is going to give us a little glimpse into that world. And then we're going to talk about one of the illnesses that can be so tragic for your cat. And it's important to look out for the symptoms. So we'll be right back after this message. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here, your host on Best Buds for Pets and Catitude. Ben and Jerry's has frozen treats for dogs. I know Nikki is going to love this. He loves a frozen treat. They have two different flavors. One is Punch's Mix, which is peanut butter and pretzel. And the other one is Rosie's Batch, which is pumpkin and mini cookies. You know, I kind of like both of those flavors too, but my absolute favorite is fish food. Anything Ben and Jerry's is always fabulous because the quality is so good and their mixes are so delicious. Be sure to check out more about these frozen dog desserts as well as pictures of all the caniners at the Ben and Jerry's Vermont office at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Varble. She's a veterinarian and works closely with the NABC. Welcome, Dr. Varble. Thank you so much for having me today, Michelle. It's great to be back. I'm thrilled to have you back. You know so much about the veterinary industry, the field, and and especially about cats. Can you tell us a little background for maybe people that didn't catch the last episode or maybe even the episode before? I know you've been on Catitude (laughs) at least once before. Kind of in one of those days where I'm losing track, but you're you're so good and know so much. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's really good to be back. Yes, I am the Chief Veterinary Officer here at North American Veterinary Community. So my current job is really focusing on how to bring educational opportunities to veterinarians. But I also work at an exotic pet clinic, and I've done work in general practice as a veterinarian and as an emergency vet. So I have kind of seen quite a bit. (laughs) I would say all, but I don't think in veterinary medicine you've ever seen it all. Um, Every day brings something new and interesting and unexpected to our lives. Well, thanks for sharing your background. And, you know, I think to the average person, I don't think we actually think about how our veterinarians stay on top of everything. I mean, if I were to answer that question, I would think, well, they, you know, probably read journals or I don't know, maybe there's a workshop every so often. (laughs) So how do veterinarians stay on top of things? 
Well, you're right, Michelle. It's really, it's actually really challenging because advances in animal medicine are really moving as fast as they are in human medicine. So staying on top of things and being able to offer the latest and greatest advances in medicine to our patients and to your pets can be really difficult. That's kind of where we come in as NAVC. We offer a variety of opportunities to allow veterinarians to get continuing education credits in almost any subject in veterinary medicine that they would like to further their knowledge on. But it is very, very important for us to stay on top of things. So much is happening so quickly that that's kind of how it can be hard. But the one thing that it is important to realize is it's actually a legal requirement too. In all, in every state in the U.S. and in most countries, veterinarians are required, just like human doctors, to attain a certain number of continuing education credits to renew our licenses and stay up to date. That's great information because as you were talking, I was going to say, how do you know if your vet stays on top of things? Because even if a vet's been practicing, you know, 30, 40 years, there's still new, you know, innovations all the time. And you you know, how you mentioned it's moving so fast. So this is good to know that your, you know, veterinarian has to, I guess, fulfill requirements on a yearly basis on an annual basis for their license. Yeah, not only is it a legal requirement, Michelle, but you're going to find that most veterinarians are driven by a couple of things to get further educated. One, we, we're kind of nerds at heart, you know. <laughs> a lot of veterinarians really, when they signed up for vet school, it's because they were really, you know, very accomplished. Vet school is very challenging to get into. And to be honest, they really love learning. They love learning new things. So it's a really, my job is really fun because it kind of fulfills one of their favorite things, which is just learning new stuff. But the other reason is it can be really satisfying to bring these new opportunities and these new advances to pets. We have so many challenging diseases to treat and so many hurdles with veterinary medicine. Our patients can't talk. We're relying on their owners to be their caregivers. So kind of the easier that we can make things, the more fun we can make things, the more attainable we can make things. And even in some ways, the more financially achievable we can make things, the better care we can bring pets. So actually, Actually getting educated on some of the newest and greatest things is really satisfying for us. Can you give us an example of something that is new and just brand new to the veterinary industry within the past, say, I don't know, six months that us as pet parents would be able to relate to? Sure. Probably the easiest one is actually what we're going to talk about later. And probably everyone has seen it on TV. There have been all of these amazing advertisements for diabetics, for monitors that stick on their skin and can tell them what their blood sugar is. And the advantage for people is, right, they don't have to worry about pricking their skin, getting a small blood sample, and being able to check their blood sugar that way. Um, It's been a really big advance in diabetes care for humans. Well, guess what? We're already doing that in cats and dogs. Literally to today, those devices are actually already approved for and being used in general practices all over the country for cats and dogs for diabetic monitoring. So you're telling me there's a device and it attaches to your dog or cat, or is it a stick-on so you shave the skin off maybe? <laughs> 
Believe it or not, it's a little combination of both, but it's something that your veterinarian or your doctor would apply if you're human, but your veterinarian would apply to your cat and dog. And literally all it takes is prepping the skin. So yeah, shaving the fur and applying the device. It's not a surgical procedure. It's not painful. It's simply a matter of applying some surgical glue and the device to the skin of your dog or cat. That's amazing. Yeah. And again, you've probably seen, you know, commercials for them on TV. So it's really cool because when we talk about this with clients, a lot of them, you know, unfortunately, diabetes is so widespread in people that a lot of them have family members or they themselves are diabetic. So when we tell them that we can bring the same type of advancement and the same type of technology to their dog and cat, and they know how easy it is to use it because again, they've either had personal experience or had a friend or family member use it. It's really quite exciting to kind of see their eyes light up and go, wait a minute, I know that. <laughs> um, I know what that is and it's, it's easy to use. So that's a really exciting opportunity. But to be honest, there's so many great examples. Everything from like ultrasounds are widely available now and so many general practice veterinarians have access to things like digital x-rays, ultrasounds, dental x-ray machines, things like that, that really can change how we treat pets and make it much easier and much more complete than it used to be. Do you think since, in, you know, technology is moving things along and it's making things, like you just said, you know, easier, faster mm -hmm. and so forth, that costs will go down? Yeah, I think some of these things, when we factor in the cost of what we'd save in examination time and staff time and just medication and testing time, that actually when you look at the overall cost, some of the technology really does bring these, these expenses down. Another great one is we're actually starting to look at getting a CAT scanner, a CT scanner in a general practice I work at. Uh, which is amazing to me that would never have been affordable in the past. But as the technology has gotten better, it's certainly more accessible. But like we talked about, that means uh, I have to know a lot more about CT <laughs> too as a veterinarian than I used to because it wasn't something that was really accessible to our pets before and our veterinarians. Well, this is all great news because I know one deterrent to a lot of people before they decide to adopt is figuring in the costs and veterinary costs, even just prescriptions can be crazy expensive. They can. I mean, you know, the nice thing is, is that as new things, I think the real thing that's interesting in veterinary medicine is that for us to use new technology or for us to use new things, it has to be affordable, right? Because the costs are our own, they're out of pocket. So we have to make these things accessible to pet owners. Otherwise they're really not new technology. They're just a cool thing that we can't use. So it's super important. Exactly. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and talk about diabetes and cats. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here. You know, I love my cats, love spending time with them, but I need a little me time and I need a little break during the day that refreshes my mind. So you know what I do? I play June's Journey. Who doesn't love a good mystery? Well, in this hidden object murder mystery game, June's Journey, 
you awaken your inner sleuth and step right into this thrilling adventure series set in the heart of the Roaring Twenties. You play as Jean Parker, who is an amateur detective investigating the mysterious death of her sister. This is a free-to-download mobile game that really puts your powers of observation to the test, not to mention your memory and logic skills. And it just leaves me refreshed and ready to tackle my next big challenge. So, Join the 30 million fans across the globe and awaken your inner detective with June's Journey. It's a super fun game. And you know, my cats don't even mind my little break away from them. And hey, I feel so much better after playing. So download June's Journey free today at the Apple App Store or on Google Play. You are going to have so much fun playing June's Journey. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Dr. Barbel. And in this half of the show, we're going to talk about diabetes in cats, which, Dr. Barbel, I haven't had this problem come up in my cats, so I'm fortunate. But a family member did have two cats, both diabetic with the insulin and the shots and everything. And it was manageable, but there was a lot to go through. A lot, right? It can be very overwhelming. Sure. You know, the unfortunate thing, Michelle, is your story is not uncommon. Over half a million cats and dogs are diagnosed with diabetes each year, and it's growing. So that's a real concern for us. And we definitely want to do what we can to try and prevent it and make treatment a little bit more manageable and accessible to a wider group of pet parents. Okay, let's talk about symptoms. Mm-hmm. How do we know our cat might be diabetic? Because it's not like, you know, again, it's the pet parent that has to watch their cat. Sure. And cats are difficult because they're so stoic. And you <laughs> try to find out, you know, okay, they're a little off today or something's not right. Or it's definitely challenging. It can be really challenging. And you know what, Michelle, the hard thing with diabetes is that the symptoms for and diabetic cats look so similar to the symptoms for other things too. Again, that's one of the things that we find really challenging. So some things that you want to look for is changes in urination and changes in drinking. So this also mirrors, and I think you and I talked about this, things that can happen, kidney disease. Yeah, but it happens. Kidney kidney disease and, and the same for humans. Yeah, absolutely. So increased drinking, increased urination, and it's hard to watch those things in a cat. It truly is. So I know there's some great companies out there working on technology to help monitor things like water intake in animals. And you could see why, because it's so important to monitor that, but yet so very difficult. So that's something I'm really looking forward to hopefully coming into the market soon. But if you notice them not using the litter box or all of a sudden urination behavior changing, that can be one. But usually the other big change with cats with diabetes is we'll also start to see that they're, it's kind of a weird thing. They almost start losing weight, but they're still overweight (laughs) because the vast majority of diabetic cats are overweight, but you'll notice actually what they're losing is muscle. And you'll notice it that they're also getting weak and don't have the energy that they used to along with the increased drinking and the increased urination. You can see an increase or decrease in appetite, but that can be another trigger too, because usually animals with kidney disease don't eat as much, whereas diabetics sometimes will become quite ravenous. 
So unfortunately, it looks like a lot of similar problems, like again, problems with thyroids, problems with kidneys. So that's why it's so important to, if you're seeing those symptoms, follow up your, with your vet for things like blood work and urine checks to see what's going on. Okay. This is a question I bet a mm-hmm. lot of cat pet parents out there are thinking of. There's a number of types of litter on the market that can detect illness in cats. Mm-hmm. How well is that as far as a guide to detecting some diabetes or is it basically, what are your thoughts on that? Well, actually it can be quite good. There's a couple of brands out there and I know there's even urine sticks out there that again, human diabetics use and what they're looking for specifically is sugar in the urine. So when we have glucose or sugar in the urine, that's really abnormal. Now for people, it's really abnormal under (laughs) all, there are almost no healthy people that have sugar in their urine, just incidentally. It's not as specific for cats because very, very stressed cats, believe it or not, can have sugar in their urine and that can be normal. But if you're seeing changes like that consistently, that's a problem. You know, one time super stressed, there was workers in the house, something happened, loud noises. Sure. You can have a stressed cat with sugar in their urine, but if you're seeing it all the time, that's not quite right. Okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. Let's say, you know, you find out your cat's diabetic and you're freaking out because yeah. you have an idea of how to manage and you don't know if this, you know, is going to take years off your cat's life or what. So here it is. You find out your cat's diabetic, then what? Well, the first thing I would say is don't get overwhelmed. It's so easy to get overwhelmed because it seems like such a big deal and there's so much that has to happen. And I would say, you know, take some time. You know, sometimes when you get that news from your veterinarian, it's just so overwhelming. It's okay and many times to say, hey, does my cat need treatment today? Or can I take a day? Can I follow up tomorrow? Or can I call you tomorrow if I have questions? And kind of set up a time to, a little time for yourself to just absorb what your vet is telling you because there's so many directions you're going to get. The other thing I would say is still be optimistic because as we just learned, um, we just had a virtual diabetes summit, which is a new way that veterinarians are getting education is simply online. And Dr. Cynthia Ward, who's one of the leading educators in the veterinary world on diabetes revealed to us that about 20% of cats can and will go into remission with diabetes. So just because your cat's diabetic today does not mean it always will be. And with some careful time and attention, there's a chance again, 20% doesn't sound great, but that's one in five. It's actually a pretty good chance that your cat might not stay diabetic. And that's really encouraging to think about. Before I ask you how you can manage it, mm-hmm. what percentage, I don't know, this might be a <laughs> question, but what percentage of cats would you say are diabetic? Oh, I don't know that I have an overall incident. I do know that in cats, diabetes is actually three times more common than it is in dogs. So I don't know overall that the percentage is really high, but I know that the percentage of cats that become diabetic is going to be significantly higher than dogs. Okay. I know it's hard it to remember on things all the time. So, you know, <laughs> it and it is. depends. I don't know if it's regionally different. There's so much that depends on things. It does, you know, and probably one of the biggest things, Michelle, one of the things I would share with, with your listeners is that one of the reasons we're seeing more diabetes in cats is because diabetes in cats is very closely associated with obesity. 
So being overweight for cats is really detrimental to their health more so than I mean, it's not good for anyone, right? Unfortunately, but for cats, it seems that diabetes is far more common with obesity than many other animals. So for that pet parent, that's always given their cat little extra treats. Exactly. Time to to curb yourself and just give less treats more often, right? Because they add up. Same as little nibbles of people food. Absolutely. You have to think of those things as candy, (laughs) you know, and just like a person that would eat candy all the time, even balanced and good treats for cats. We really have to think of them as treats, not as everyday food. That's great information. Okay. So say you find out your cat's diabetic, you've you know, freaked out, then you calm mm-hmm. down a little so your <laughs> Good. cat doesn't pick up on your vibe and get more nervous and more sick. What are some ways you can manage it? Great question, Michelle. First, you want to really have develop and work with your veterinarian because diabetes is a really difficult disease to manage and you're going to need some help because like I said, it's tough and things change. Just like we talked about, about 20% of cats go into remission. That means this isn't something you do on your own, but you need to form a great team with your veterinarian and work together. The next things are probably going to be that you're going to get some recommendations for diet, maybe to lose weight, but there are also some specific diets out there, usually prescription diets that can help keep blood sugar a little more steady and prevent those big spikes in sugar that can affect diabetes and make those animals worse. So big cornerstone of diabetes management in cats is actually diet. The last thing is going to be probably the scariest thing for most people, and that is usually you're going to have to talk about insulin injections. And again, I know that's really scary. It does. Yeah. And it does. But you know, what's interesting is that having worked with cats many times, and even my own cats, animals are amazing when it comes to injections. They really don't, they don't mind at all. You know, and think about it. Your, your cat has that wonderful loose skin with lots of space underneath. We don't have that. Injections for people hurt more. Injections for cats, no big deal. In fact, I was telling someone the other day, I have known many diabetic cats who actually know their schedule. They're very specific about it, right? We all know our cats love our routines. They know what time breakfast is. They know what time dinner is. They don't tolerate us getting off our routines. But I've known diabetic cats to come bother their owners, you know, tap on them, hit them with their paw, come meowing because they knew it was time for their injection. <laughs> they know. <laughs> you won't they, find that with people usually. Yeah, so. yeah. But I've known a lot of cats. They just get so used to it. And because of that, we often find that, I mean, just like people, unfortunately, diabetic people and diabetic cats, yes, they can have a shorter lifespan. But the good news is, is that with proper management and a little bit of care from you and your veterinarian working together as a team, Cats can live with diabetes for years. So, you know, again, I know that sounds a little scary, but it's actually really good. And they don't just live, but they live well. Well, the family member who had two cats Mm -hmm. that were diabetic, they were, I think they passed, they were, I think, 19 and 20. There you go. I mean, those are are not young cats, right? That's a fantastic story. I'm so glad they live so long. You know, all of this talk about pet obesity and everything, we should do a future show on ways to exercise your cat besides leads. <laughs> it, it, that would be a great show. It's very challenging. <laughs> 
Where can people find out more about, you know, diabetes for their cats? And also, I think you have an Instagram that, you know, you have an Instagram uh, account and you have a lot of great information on that, I think, as well. Yeah, come visit us anytime. You know, at NAVC.com, we post a lot of information about pets and about veterinarians and encourage your veterinarian to both visit our website and, yep, they can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on Catitude and sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michelle. I want to say a huge thank you to my guest, Dr. Varble, for telling us all about how your vet keeps in touch with all the changes out there in the veterinary world and telling us all about cat diabetes. Some great information for you. I hope you got a lot of great info from that. And I want to also thank my producer, Mark Winter, for making me and my guests sound amazing. Thanks to everyone listening. This show is actually inspired by an email. So thank you for shooting the email. And I hope it helps a lot of you that are listening because, you know, we want to do the best we can for our kitties. And it's always good to have certain, you know, information on how to detect a disease that if not caught can be very tragic for your cat. And thank you to my crew that is staying healthy and I'm going to keep them exercised and limit the treats so they don't get obese and don't get sick. So thank you to Charlotte and Molly, Dennis and Jethro and Sammy. And again, thanks to everyone that listens to Catitude. You know, lose the attitude. Have some Catitude. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.